This is a Strategist, episode 1264. My name is Zane Velger. With me, as always, Corey Hogan, Stephen Carter. Corey, Wendy yeah. is real. He's real. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's real. Carter, Actual is Wendy real for you? No. Why not? Because I think it's a, a flash in the pan. I mean, we have so much more of the season to go. And until we see, you know, a full season, I mean, hey, you, uh, how hey, many Steven, of these guys start off How long is a basketball hot? season? How long is a basketball uh, season in games? Feels like it's forever. I believe it's 82 <laughs> games. There. Okay. 78 is the correct answer for yeah. this season. Carter. But oh, I got hockey there. He was in there. was hockey. He was in there. He was in there. It was okay. One fact. Yeah. Uh, what's going on, Carter? We missed you. Uh, we were doing a, a show with Ryan Jesperson. Yeah, you were not around and it went really well. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I understand that. I um I, I did a show. With, I don't know if you know this, but yeah, Corey okay. and I did a show on I Friday. I don't night. know this, and most people don't know. That's yeah, true. We did a show oh, on yeah. Friday night. Um, Do you want to tease this Patreon show that you guys did? We this did a Patreon drunk, episode. Drunk Carter and, was, and Corey. It was incredibly successful. Yeah, it was. Um, Based on which us. metric? Okay. Uh, you know what? Yeah. We run on Vibe Check. We decide whether we're going to proceed with something. Oh, so you based and Nate on, Horner. Yeah, okay. based on a series of you know indeterminate factors that are out there. That's yeah. how we decide whether we're going to. Do you want to contextualize that at all, Corey? No, absolutely nope. not. No. Okay. No. no. This. Well, yeah. Well, that would be on brand uh, for the show. We don't contextualize. Yeah. We don't do People that. People have to figure it out on their own. That's why the Discord's <laughs> for. That's right, uh, Carter. Any any other uh, opening comments before uh, we get going? We got a lot to talk about. Well, I mean, I'm just really pleased to have you back, Zane. Um, Thank you, Carter. Corey, it's nice to have someone to direct the show. Oh well. I haven't listened to the last show, and I think, oh, Corey, please go ahead. Yeah, on cue. Thank you, Corey. I appreciate that. We will start this show with our first segment, our first segment. This is a goodie. You guys like this one. Why the fuck do we still do this? Uh, This segment, of course, we've we've explored a few times, Corey. Mm. We talk, we we go deep for a few minutes. Sometimes. Yeah, we have sometimes. I mean, that's, that could be the, (laughs) that could be the subheading of this podcast we have sometimes and inconsistently. Uh, Carter... In this segment, I ask the two of you to to justify, to defend, to tell me why we still do a political thing. It could be a tactic. Oh, could I be a thought strategy. you were talking about the podcast. No, well, well, this I was podcast, way off Political base. podcast is, is not yeah. what we're defending today. Carter, here's what I want to talk about. Over this weekend, I heard the uh, rural development minister, I think that's her title, federal one, on Vashi yeah. Capella's show in question period. And she said something that I've heard politicians say forever, which is, we're not paying attention to the polls. We don't look at the polls. Carter, oh, yeah. I want to talk about why the fuck do we still have in a 2023 era <laughs> yeah, where politicians yeah. where politicians say, I want to be data driven in how I make my decisions. Why do politicians still refuse to acknowledge that they look at polling? Carter, the question is, why the fuck do we still do this? Is this defensible in your mind? Well, I mean, there's only one reason to do this, and that is the polls are bad. You would never do this. And I don't want to talk about the issue. I'm talking about, no, no, no. I'm talking about the issue of politicians refusing to acknowledge the polls, regardless of issue, Carter. Yeah, but you do that because there's only one reason to do it, Zane. You would only do it if you were sucking in the polls. If you're doing well in the polls, you use the polls all the time. You say, well, the polls show that we're doing a very good job and everybody loves us. That's the, the, you know, so when you ask, why do we do this? That's why we do it. Otherwise, we live and die by polls. I mean, we do polls all the time. I mean, I've, I've had polls out uh, all over the place the last few, few weeks, really. And each one of those polls is telling me a story. Now, they're not the horse race polls that we see um, trumpeted in the media. But nonetheless, they're super important. The data-driven side, as, as you've mentioned, 
is super important. We need to know exactly what's happening. So what you're, what you're asking me is why does, why does someone say that they're not important? Well, there's only one reason, only one reason they're getting killed. Coy, I'm not sure I agree with Carter. I want to push back a bit. There's been moments, I think, in, in Canadian political history where, where political parties that are up in the polls, and it's not even about their polls overall. It could be polling on an issue, could be a, a subject. They almost refuse to talk about it. It's like this no-go zone. Like, we don't want to talk about the public opinion of something, whether it is us or an issue we are championing. Is this defensible, Corey? In your mind, uh, Canadian politicians at least not wanting to acknowledge the fullness of polls? Well, politicians want to be known as principled, right? And it's tough to be known as principled when it looks like you're just a weather vane uh, and you could be replaced and your entire caucus could be replaced by a good contract from Ipsos, maybe backed up with another contract from another pollster just to be yeah. safe. And so that's a bit of why they do it. But you're you're right. It's absurd. They, of course, they look at polls. They sweat polls perpetually. If you are within a political caucus Hearing about a poll will send people scurrying like rats to cheese. Like, oh my God, did you did <laughs> mm-hmm. you hear? Did you hear there's this new poll by insert group X? Did you see the poll? Did you see the new poll? Oh, I heard about the new poll, but I didn't see the new poll. Did you see the new poll? What's in the new poll? Uh, oh, did you see the cross tabs of the new poll? Hey, do you when, our, the, when our numbers are coming out, do, do we have numbers? Do are we, we have numbers? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so on and so forth. Where are the cross tabs? Do you, do you think we can get like in my riding what it means? Shit like that it happens perpetually. All the time. All the the fucking time. time. All the time. And uh, as a result, because of the kind of crack cocaine nature of polls to politicians and the way that they are used to kind of um, end debates rather than, you know, inform views on debates. And we've talked about this. Leaders offices tend to really clamp down on who has access to the polls that government runs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I guess this is the point I would want to make. Government polls so much like all the time like Mm -hmm. every week there's going to be something in the field in some way shape or form that's out there doing things particularly if you're a federal government so you know what this is for the reporters out there next time a politician says oh we don't look at the polls deadpan them look them straight in the eyes and say why do you do them then what are we paying for them for (laughs) why are you wasting our taxpayers money if you don't even look at these things and get really (laughs) outraged about it This is kind of where I was coming from, right, Carter? Like, obviously, and I know you wanted to lean into the issue, and we will. We'll spend the rest of the episode on Trudeau. I'm not leaning into the issue. You asked me a question about why we do this. Undercutting his own carbon tax. We'll talk about that in a second. (laughs) At least that's how I want to phrase it. But, Carter, to, to this point, right, we know the behavior of politicians. In fact, I'd argue that the elected uh, principles often are the most obsessed with the polls, right? They, they want to understand where they're going, if they match up, if they line up, uh, where there's, you know, uh, what, the, what, the, what the margin of error is, all the things Corey's kind of put on the table. Yet they also kind of say that they want to be data-driven, etc. To me, it would be refreshing, Carter, if a politician said, you know, fuck, you know, we looked at the polls and we said, this is kind of not going well for us. And we made a course <laughs> correction. And I think it's going to hopefully help. And we'll see if it's a- it would be refreshing to me, Carter. But tell me this. Would it be strategic? This is the question I want to ultimately <laughs> ask, right? Is why the fuck do we still do this? It would be refreshing. It'd be a breath of fresh air. But would it be strategic for politicians to say, fuck, yeah, I read the polls. I try to take all information in it, and currently what we're seeing is X, and that's why we're doing Y. Wouldn't that just make, even on this issue, such a simpler explanation for the Trudeau government no. in so many ways? So talk to me about this. Is it strategic? No, it's not. It, it, the reason is that um, 
there is a balance as we and I've, we've spoken about it on the podcast a, a million times. We've we've talked about the balance that needs to be struck between leading yeah. and reflecting. Understood. And if you admit to uh, leading by poll, then you are abdicating your responsibility as a leader in general. But so and many do, Carter. <laughs> I'm not arguing that point. I'm not arguing that point. The point you asked me, why do understood, they do it? Understood. Keep going. Yeah, whether yeah. it be strategic is what I asked you. Yes. It, I mean, it's, it is, it is strategic. You are saying, um, I can't, I can't let the people know that I'm just running to the front of the parade. I mean, that's one of the the old jo- you know jokes about politics is you know, a good politician runs to the begin- front of the parade. They're not necessarily um, you know always you know figuring this out on their own. They figure it out when they they see the people massing uh, and, and going in one direction. And a good politician is a weather vane. Um, but you don't you know you don't see a weather vane standing up there saying I'm a weather vane. I'm a weather vane, right? Do you? I mean, maybe, I don't know. I maybe mean, I'm not up to speed with weather vanes. Can't talk at all. But, yeah. but the, you know, the a good politician doesn't want to give over their leadership to, you know, uh, to, to any of the pollsters. Uh, I, they just don't want it. Corey, uh, Carter makes good arguments. But I'd also say we've heard them all before. And if this segment is about stress testing what we do sometimes on autopilot, I want to challenge you to kind of see if there's any part of Carter's argument that doesn't hold water for you in a 2023 world and ask you the same question. It would be refreshing to me, but would it be actually strategic to say, you know what? Fuck yeah, we do read the polls. We read the polls all the time. We commission a bunch of polls and they're, you know, one of the things that we, 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 we take into account. So maybe you've, you've talked about the, oh, we don't look at the polls answer, but I want to throw on the table one of their other popular answers are. Please. You know, there are lots of data sources, and I've seen other polls that have asked these questions in different ways, and they tell a bit of a different story. It's a little more complex than that, you know? Mm -hmm. So (laughs) there's the contextualizing it with other data that you can't see, right? Like, oh, there's other polls out there, too. I don't read the polls, but there's also other polls that I'm aware of that I've definitely looked into. That that tell a different story, but we don't read the polls. We don't read the polls, but I am aware of polls (laughs) But I am aware of other polls. Yeah, sorry. But I am aware of Awareness of polling is not the same. As yeah. reading the polls, right? That's right. Okay, good. Yeah, I, you know, I think that it's a great question. Like, I, I try to imagine somebody going up and saying, like, "Oh, it looks like in the polls you're down," and they're like, "Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of why we decided we needed to look at this issue." <laughs> <laughs> but, but you laugh. But you exactly, laugh saying exactly, because it's so. No, no, no. It is t- because to me. I was kind of watching and I was just watching this minister twist herself into a pretzel. And she had a line that someone gave her, right? Of course. Because Capellos was just going down at it. You know, like the polling says you're fucking up here and you've really been fucking up for a long time. She's like, I'm going to stop you right there. It's not about polling. It's about yeah. people. Oh, sure. and I was just like, yeah. okay. Right. And then she had to explain that people constitute polls ultimately. Right. So she conceded at some point. But Corey, like to, it, I laughed, but keep going. Cause I, I've got, I've got to, no, I've got, like, I mean, but that's I've almost got, the I've point. Got, I've, like, I've got a footnote on why I laughed. Like, right? people aren't necessarily looking for that in their days. Listen, let me tell you this. But are, are we sure? That, like, this is the whole point of the thing. Okay. Are we sure lo- they're not? So I love oh, the question. We're quite sure. But I will say uh, this. I don't know if I... I know. I'm, I don't I'm know not Carter. 100% where Carter is. I'm not like. sure, Carter. I will say this, and this is kind of a global that I would probably apply to a fair number of things in this section. 
So much of politics is predetermined theater. It's you walk onto the stage where your mark is on the stage and you do the thing the audience expects you to do. And there's comfort in that. There's normalcy in that. And more to the point, there's safety in that. So you say the things that you're supposed to say and they don't become potentially issues that you can't control one way or the other. So the question then becomes... What's the upside if you were to take the other approach, right? And maybe maybe you get like a Bullworth thing. You remember in the movie Dave when Bullworth did that thing? Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful scene. Yeah. Got out there and uh, all of a sudden was speaking truth to people. And they're like, oh, my God, a politician who is uh, speaking truth, uh, expropriating cultures and just uh, really exciting us down to our core before he mm-hmm. gets killed. Spoilers for those who haven't seen uh, Dave. Oh, yeah. Dad. Yeah. That was a great Dave. <laughs> i'd say it was the key to dave sure well there's a chance if that's your brand and that's your story and you're being the maverick and you're being the straight shooter there's a chance that works really well for you but if that's not your brand if that's not your story if that's not who you are as a politician and you just say like oh yeah we're looking at the polls well then you're gonna have people throwing at you they're unprincipled they're weather veins they're just following the polls uh, you know, they don't they don't actually know what they're doing here. They're just running around, chicken with their head cut off. And so that can cut very easily against you as well. So if it's not part of your brand and it's not part of your story to be the person who says, I see that mark on the theater, on the stage floor, and I'm just going to walk over there instead. I don't care where the floodlight is. I'm going to go stand over there. If that's not your brand and you do that, well, then you risk actually more downside than upside. And I, I think that's the point so to underline. I'm hearing both of you say, though, right? And, and correct me if I'm wrong, if, I, if I'm misinterpreting your perspective, Carter, that acknowledgement of reading polls is a slippery slope and, and in, in politics almost equals leadership by polls, right? I'm asking for simple acknowledgement. One of your data points, not your, yeah. not, not how you lead, but I'm hearing the two of you say that that's yeah, but- one and the same. Uh, you can get away with saying one we, of them. But we, yes. we may not do it next time, right? So next time, That's a good point. the point, the poll may be in the exact same spot with the in the shitter, and we don't do it for whatever reason, right? Mm. Maybe we're more principled about this particular point, or maybe um, we feel that the poll doesn't co- cover the whole story or, you know, any number of different things. We again, timeliness is one of the, is an amazing thing in polling. You know, one day the we charity scandal is massive and important, and the next day it's not. So, am I going to just simply respond to that poll just because it's in that moment a big deal? I, that would be very short term thinking, and yeah. we and we create all kinds of flipping and flopping and 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 moving about that it's just unnecessary in a government. So I think it's a great point, right? You are actually kind of limiting your range of motion if you start saying, I'm going to react to these things in this way. Mm -hmm. But now I'm trying to imagine this person that Zane, you've created here and that same person in that next interview gets thrown the poll again. And they're like, yeah, I'm not going to worry about it this time because I actually think the issue is going to die in a bit. Or (laughs) I think, no, I'm, I'm, I'm being kind of serious. Like, yeah, if you're like, you know what, this, this is this is not one of these things that we're particularly stressed about. The polls we think is part of a bigger package. Canadians aren't going to care so much, and it's part of it's important to us, right? Like I don't I don't know, you know. Yeah. I don't recommend that anybody go out and try this. Like I think well, it's okay. a bit of a crazy I, thing, I mean, but as a thought experiment, it's exactly what this is. Yeah. This is a, but, this is to test something we continuously do in politics that we always hear. To Corey's point, it is in the script. 
right? It is in the yeah. it is in the standard issue script. Yeah, here is your that manual is given to you exactly. How to be a hack politician, page exactly. Three. And and yeah. I I want to start breaking some of those things down. And this one I think you guys are ultimately right on. I'm curious to hear if there's other takes. I don't on even it, know what Carter, my position is. Yeah, no, but <laughs> I think I I think you made you made good points. Like especially Carter, less so you, Corey, because uh, you don't yeah, know where course. you stand. I mean, that's yeah, just true. Um, but Carter, yeah. you wanted to you wanted to add to your your glory on this particular one. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is that polls, you know, um, you can change them, right? Like, so you're going to, if you get a negative poll on something, that just means that you may need to do action or you may need to educate or you may need mm-hmm, to change mm-hmm. the way that people are looking at it. The, the response is, you may see response inherent in the action that is not driven by the poll. Do you know what I mean? Like the... The poll, like there was some interesting polling today, Corey was sharing, maybe we'll get to it later, about how people are responding to um, the the, the Israel-Palestinian uh, conflict. The question dictates the outcome. So yeah, I mean, to Corey's point earlier that he made, where he said, you know, but we've seen some other polling that shows it a little bit differently. I look at layers in a poll, right? I look at layers in a poll. We look at the give a fuck factor in a poll. All of those different things are going to dictate our reaction to the poll. And in the media, we know that they're not looking at those layers. We know that in the media, they just take the top line of the poll and say, you know, in their crack-addled little minds, um, this is the way that people think. And they don't understand even what they're reporting. So, uh, and yeah, I just shit on media in general. And Annalise would be apoplectic. But I, I think that that's a true kind of statement of the media when it comes to polling. Well, it's certainly true that polls are both inputs and outputs and different questions serve different purposes, right? Mm -hmm. Ultimately, you want to track where you are on an issue. And we talk about tracking polls and horse race polls. And if you're in a government, because you don't generally track horse race polls in a government, you track government approval and, and those become the numbers that you watch. And they become sort of the identifier of overall trends and how well you're doing. But the inputs matter a lot more internally to decision-making, to Stephen's point, right? Who is movable on this issue? Have people made up their mind? Do people actually care about this issue? And those things will determine courses of action going forward. And if you sit there and you get a poll and it's like, oh, 80% of people are against me. They're deeply immovable. The only people that are movable are my people to the other side. Well, that tells you one approach of action. Whereas if you say, Oh, you know, only 40% of people actually have made up their mind to any particular degree. The people who are really firm on it are my people. The people who are loose on their opinion are the other side's people. And they do seem to care about it. I mean, then you take a different approach, right? And so this is this is all very important stuff. And I guess there is an overall poll literacy challenge we have, not just with media, not just with the public, but with politicians. Uh, mm-hmm. That makes it such a dangerous and volatile element in any conversation, which to get us back where you started us here is part of why politicians are trained to downplay it because, mm. you know, it's, it's like, it's, it's this dangerous thing that they don't fully understand. They're like a child with their fist around a firecracker. And so it's easier just to, just to just set it aside and not use it. F- finish us off on this Carter. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, talk about politicians, illiteracy on polling, um, we presented a poll once about, uh, um, politicians taking the, uh, committee pay for a committee that never met. It was called the no meat committee. And, uh, we presented polling that showed that, uh, in general, Albertans don't in, think in that, Alberta. Yeah. Yeah. Albertans don't think that politicians should get paid for not doing anything. Um, 
And because it was done as an IVR poll, um, my illiterate colleagues called it a, uh, a push poll um, because push polls, as you know, Corey, are conducted by pushing the buttons on the poll <laughs> or on the telephone. <laughs> and I would love to tell real? you that I'm making that up, well, but that is an actual true story. Okay. Well, yeah, there is there is the danger in that. And that's an interesting one. I guess that's the other thing. I can't tell you the number of times in my career I've had my hands on a poll and I've looked at it and I've interpreted it one way based on some of the underlying things. And the, piece, mm-hmm. the person I've handed it to has read it so foundationally different, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, some of that is these things are up for interpretation. And some of that is sometimes people can't get past top lines. They can't see the big picture. They can't sort of identify. And the big one we always talk about on this show is, is it popular is, is one thing, right? But who's it popular with is the thing that actually matters. Yeah. It's a lot of it's a lot of mind bending stuff. Thankfully, most politicians never read polls or acknowledge their existence. We're yeah. gonna leave it there, and I probably expect to see a lot more of that. Politicians on television, radio, and all platforms denying that they have knowledge or acknowledge any sort of polling. We're gonna move it on to our next segment. Our next segment: climate change. Speaking of change, Corey, a big change. Yeah, by Justin Trudeau. One might even call it. Like me. An undercutting of his signature policy, Corey. I I might be inclined to. Yeah. Yes. Well, the Canadian government is doubling the pollution price rebate, rural top up. That rate is going up. We should mention that. But what's capturing the headlines, Corey, is they're implementing a three year pause to the federal carbon price on deliveries of heating oil in all jurisdictions with the federal fuel charges in effect. This is what Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced on Thursday. A couple of matters of fact. Home heating hole, primarily Atlantic Canada. That's where this announcement was made. And Carter, more more importantly, to be clear, in simple words, this is a carve out. This is a carve out of the carbon tax policy that this government announced, I believe, just mere weeks ago, maybe even earlier, that they would not be doing. This was not under consideration. And yet here we are, Carter. So the question I have to start this off is, is this actually undercutting your signature policy or are you looking at it differently right just even my sort of like editorial sort of thumb on the scale am i fair in putting it and and positioning it that way or, or am i wrong in doing so carter oh i think it's absolutely undercutting the signature policy um i mean but but keep in mind that, that cory hogan um you remember cory hogan he's a member of this podcast he said at one point that the liberals need to steal um policy ideas from the conservatives and steal they did um you, you know like this is one of their ideas this is something that uh will probably work in atlantic canada i mean uh it, and it won't work in other places so that to me is uh it, it, it is an undermining too like let's not let's not kind of get too far away from that this is something that really uh undercuts the objectives of the carbon tax and really undercuts all of the primary messaging, especially around the idea that the rebates were giving back the money that was collected. And there was so much more money collected that everybody was going to get more more money in their pockets. Uh, Corey and I, in our fantastic podcast, all the way back on Friday. Yeah, uh, such a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, it was really good. I mean, we we talked about this and um Corey informed me in fact that this was not on my uh natural gas uh what so i went and checked and Corey was right and that's just infuriated me 
uh, as you can imagine, because I don't like it when Corey's right. So I'm just furious that this is the way that they're going, because we talked about many different options. Like this was not a required back down in my mind to begin with. And, and the carbon tax wasn't a required, the only solution to the climate issue is, is this type of action. This, this was the one that many economists pushed for but in terms of voter impact, um, this maybe isn't the best, the best solution, but now we've moved to the place where, um, the, the liberals, are going to be getting pressure, and I'm sure you'll bring this up in a second, uh, pressure from everybody to, uh, to to change their own policy. Corey, am I right? Is this undercutting your signature policy? And then give me a second answer to this, if it is. What's the blast zone on it politically? How, where do you think this kind of goes? Carter's alluded to other provinces now bickering about their carve-outs that they want. Is it an undercutting of your signature policy or am I overstating it and give me just your, your political blast zone right now. And what the right. costs are. So undercutting their signature policy. I'm, I mean, I don't a hundred percent know. I think you can debate it. Does it take what's supposed to be a neutral price mechanism and change that? Does it send a signal to the market that if things get really bad, don't worry, the government's going to back down on these things. Uh, I'm not wild about it, but uh, let's let the economists continue to have that conversation. My personal opinion is it probably undercuts the policy, but more interesting to me is it undercuts their signature politics. And so yeah. here's the here's the bottom line, folks. You can't run around for years saying this thing is a net positive to the good people of Canada who are subjected to it and then say, oh, we recognize your hardship because of this. So here is a holiday from it. Like those two things do not jive. It was hard enough for the Liberals to try to sell the carbon tax as revenue neutral because of the gap between you getting the rebate and you actually, uh, you know, feeling it at the pump on a daily basis. Like there's just like there's not a good alignment there. There's no matching there. Right. So that's a challenge. But um, then when you then go around and say, but we acknowledge this has become a, an affordability hardship and present it in this way by actually giving a holiday from the tax because of affordability and because of the pressure on affordability, you've blown up your comms on your biggest piece of politics, uh, arguably full stop, right? There are other things that the liberals have done that are significant policy initiatives, but they're not the things that we're talking about. They're not the things on which discourse floats. Those are things, even the childcare thing, the conservatives don't want to talk about it because they know it's fairly popular, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, legalization of marijuana, yeah, it's it it's done, and nobody's done. really yeah. chatting no about it. No one's asking for it back. This is the sun that we all orbit around. This climate policy, this carbon tax, and the conversations from axe the tax on the polyev side to the you know the existential you're a climate denier if you resist this rhetoric that came out of Justin Trudeau on you know four weeks ago. In terms of talking about carve outs and people asking for exemptions from these things, that is impossible for me to reconcile from a political communications point of view. I think they really fucked up. I think they really fucked up in a way that matters more, frankly, than the 20 some seats in the Maritimes. They have absolutely lit themselves on fire on arguably the biggest issue of our time and certainly the biggest issue of our day. Carter, yeah. you know, the way I said this on, on Jespa on Friday was a ton of political capital spent erecting this policy, arguably even more to keep it alive from both the policy and the politics of the comms yeah. as the as the missiles came against the price on 
carbon. And then the biggest win that conservatives got was when Biden implemented the IRA, no price on carbon. In fact, he went with more of a tax incentive, which we're now also competing in, to be totally clear, in that lane uh, to, to get battery plants and others. But Carter, like to this point, we see this math, right? Even I see this math, right? Which is why I was so confident about it. The Trudeau government must see this political math. I'm not talking about the policy anymore. The political math. Give me your best, like, in the head of the PMO, what the stre- what the play here is. Like, and, and, and I threw out a stupid idea, like, on Friday on Jespo, being like, oh, this is just, like, the, them wanting to kill it. Like, this is just the first sort of, they're going to slash it, and then, the, you know, the, the leak from the tires, and be like, this policy sucks. They get rid of it. They kill it. I don't think that's what's happening. But give me your take here. You see this in Atlantic Canada. What's step two? What's step three? Play it out for me. I have no idea, Zane. I mean, the problem with this policy is that step two, step three become very, very challenging. So assuming that they don't want to erode it completely, like what do you do? Because now the pressure comes from everywhere, everywhere, including your own space, right? Keep in mind that we were already seeing liberal MPs voting against things because they've felt that the, the, the carbon tax was, was hurting people. Um, so they, we, you already had opposition within the, within your own crew. Uh, so normally what you would be trying to do is you would, you would make a, uh, considered retreat and that considered retreat would, would either stop the bleeding or open up a new angle of attack, right? This does neither. Because it doesn't stop the bleeding, because now everybody's going to say, well, I'd like this particular carve out, which was entirely predictable. It also Mm -hmm. does not open a new line of attack. It's not like you can go around to 338 different ridings and say, you know, look at this action that we took on heating oil. Uh, We're really hearing you. Um, It's really relevant only in in about 40 ridings. Maybe more, you know, I think there's probably some in Montreal and and other places where this will will make some difference, but it's a very, very difficult thing to sell. They won't do anything in Montreal because they they're not under the federal carbon tax. Like this is really just going to be the maritimes who benefit from this. So, so Carter, but your your first answer here, if I if I'm trying to like put my best effort at at crafting a strategy for the liberal, your first answer here was. You know, this is sure, Zane, this is undercutting their signature policy, but this might work. Can we start there? That they feel well, like the cost, like the benefit of this uh, perhaps reclaiming or having a shot back at the at their Atlantic Canada seats is a starting point. And while we might dither at the cost being too high, that it starts there. Do you want or do you want to even do oh. you want to kind of go back on your on your on your sort of theory that that this is going to perhaps produce victory? And I go, Corey, you're eager to jump in, too. Corey, start us off, because uh, yeah. I'm not actually predicting victory. No, I mean, I think he was more than anything trying to take a dig at like the, the advice even we've given on this show, which is sometimes you steal from your opponents to kill an issue. But obviously, the big difference oh, is okay, you do that on the small stuff. You do that on yeah. the stuff you don't care about. You do the stuff that you're bleeding on that's not in your message box so you can just eliminate the conversation. You don't do it on your big thing. You know, you don't... Yeah, it's unfathomable to me. It would be like if you're, I mean, I, I struggle even but to find is, like but, a but This is where, I, you yeah. know, I think too many times on this show, we've said, I hate, I, I don't, I just don't understand it. And I've let you guys move on. 
Can yeah. I not let you, let us yeah, move no, on? Yeah, no, that's fine. Like, let's let's I, talk I about this because I, I actually I think it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on. keep going, Corey. I I just I can't. So you have to like let's talk about how this happened for sure. Like, it's not a mystery here. Tons of pressure coming from the Atlantic Caucus saying, "Yeah, we're really getting hurt on this." Uh, this is now taking effect in the Maritimes across the board here. Breakout MP uh, who voted against yeah, it as well just a couple weeks ago. Well, that's not the Maritimes. That was uh, Atlantic Canada, but not the Maritimes. But Sorry. yeah, yeah, fair yeah. ball, you know. But um, all of a sudden, we've got a situation where you're hearing about it. And you're hearing about it. And you're hearing about the affordability challenges. And you're hearing you've got to do something about this. Just make a small tweak. It's different because of reason X. It's different because of reason Y. People haven't had the opportunity to get off their heating oil. I mean, kind of true, I think, with all of the heating things that are around here. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll just use myself as an example. My my furnace is not long for this world, and a heat pump is something that I'm actively considering here, at least as part of the formula, maybe with an electric heater back up here. You know, those things only come around once every 10 years. I don't necessarily see how the logic applies in the Maritimes and or Atlantic Canada more broadly and doesn't apply here in Alberta. But you're yeah. hearing these things. You're hearing mm -hmm. that we just need a little bit of time. We're not telling you to get rid of the policy. We're just telling you, give us a stopgap measure. Come on. This is all relatively new anyways. What's the big harm? That's what you're hearing. And so then you're having conversations and you're having conversations with people who are saying this will undercut the policy. And you're having conversations with other people saying, well, I'm not so sure about that. And we really need those seats in Atlantic Canada. And you're having talk with your pollsters, even though you don't read polls because you're a politician. Right. And you're saying, hmm, you know, only only Atlantic Canada can afford us even a narrow path to victory at this point. And you start looking at these things really fucking narrowly. Right. You start looking at these things really fucking narrowly and mm. you start convincing yourself that the broader view is something you can manage or you hand wave it away and you say, that's that's fine. But I'm looking at this part of it right now, not the whole thing. And this tunnel vision is something that occurs when governments hit a certain level of panic mode. Right. Because they start trying to save the individual pieces rather than playing the whole fucking board. And so. You know, you asked me how this would happen, and I've ended up criticizing them here. But I'll tell you, this is this is super common in governments. When things, this is super common in life, man. When things go awry, people latch onto the small things and say, "I don't know what to do about this whole fucking mess I've got, but I know what to do right here that will make this situation marginally better." You know, doesn't matter if it has the long term ramifications and actually cuts against your broader thing. Human behavior. And could, so I can could, easily see how this happens. Carter, get in one second. But Corey, could this be as simple as morale? Like internal? I, like, could, like, could it just be as simple as I like these people or if these fucking people are against me on this, I just need to make sure like, I, and I'm fucking willing to trade. If the, if the price is this, fuck it. Like, could it be? And, and I'm, I'm, I have no idea that's yeah. it. Although there was items in Minister Hutchings' interview today that was really interesting. I mean, like, really congratulating the Atlantic Caucus over and over again about their lobbying efforts to the Prime Minister, right? So could this just be morale or like or like a people <laughs> yeah, issue? Like, like, let's talk about this a bit. Like, there is clearly a strategy yeah. where they are trying to say having a liberal MP delivers results. And I'm sure we'll fucking get to some of the comments that were made that cut yes. the other way there. Cause they've just gone way too overboard with it. But if you're listen, if, if it's, it's over, if it's morale, like if you're like, Oh my mm. God, the Atlantic caucus yeah. wants to slit their wrists. I, you know, we got to do this to kind of keep them 
in the right headspace, it's over. Like, it's over. Like, go go home. Let somebody else be the leader. Do the wholesale change you need to save this. Because, like, this kind... Like, this isn't even saving the copper from the walls. Like, this is a brutal way to approach governance. Carter, yeah. I am speculating here, fully admitting, but sure. I also don't want to let us off the hook, Carter, of being like, we don't understand this one. This one's different because no. this one's so big, and I want us to spend time. So, Carter, give me your your theorized take, your best, like take in terms of trying to get into their head a bit well i mean the only way into this particular head is that someone who's making this choice is assuming that this is the last move of the of the game right if we make this move we've solved the problem like that's the only way that this makes sense because anyone looking at this from a you know a chess point of view instead of a checkers point of view would look at this and say okay i'm going to make this move and my opponents are going to make the following move right? And if I say I'm doing this because of great advocacy from liberal MPs, well, now I've traded off climate, which is a huge issue in British Columbia. Am I not going to get advocacy from British Columbia? Are people not going to say, you know, this is a really bad thing? Are people in Montreal, like Heather's in Montreal right now, she's saying EVs are everywhere. Everybody's Mm. driving an EV in Montreal because they're their, you know, uh, their plan uh, offers a tremendous number of incentives for EV purchase. Um, are they not going to advocate for more? Are, like this, this implies that every important region of the country isn't going to have some sort of reaction. And then as they react, there's going to need to be action to placate, right? So how are you supposed to get to the end of this conversation? Like, I, and... My critique of the liberals to this point is often centered around the idea that they don't understand crisis. And this to me is a reaction to the, to a crisis that is the entirely wrong action. So yeah, there, I, I struggle with this because it could have made sense if it was the last move. It absolutely does not make sense if anybody imagines a move following. Sorry. Yeah. You know, let's let's just apply that same principle of charity here. They also probably thought, A, it won't be seen as a back down because this is this is relatively new, the application at this particular moment in this particular situation. Mm. And B, um, we we can uh, we'll wrap it around like it's just a delay. It's not like it's not happening here. We're just going to delay it. And so they created a whole line of messaging around this. And, and I mean, their weakest messaging by far is this notion that they're strengthening the national climate plan because this is them oh. being responsive. Well, holy shit. I mean, that could apply in a million different contexts. There are so many flash fires on these things. As Albertans, we might be hyper attuned to them, mm-hmm. but they exist everywhere. Like there are problems with this everywhere. And the thing I just cannot get past is, okay, I understand you don't actually give that much of a shit about your electoral chances in Alberta, you know, sorry, Randy, sorry, George, but you've just been thrown onto the pyre here, right? Including by this minister who, by the way, yeah. said you could maybe get a couple more people in Alberta, like almost implying yeah. A, yeah. a collective oh, ineffectiveness yeah, we gotta or whatever. we got to get there at some point because that's yeah, a we brutal will. We will. message. We will. But yeah. like um, Ontario, Ontario is subject to the federal carbon tax. Ontario yeah. mostly heats with natural gas or electricity. I just don't understand why they didn't think that this would be a problem in other jurisdictions. It just, it, it boggles me.
Carter, let's 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 try to be strategic for a second on on their behalf. Can we help them here for a second? <laughs> so we don't know. We don't actually. Here's a couple things we don't know. We don't actually know if there's a part two to this. We don't know if the prime minister is flying across the country and doing regional carve outs, but I'm going to assume he's not. Okay. I'm just going to make the assumption <laughs> that he is not. It's a safe assumption, Zan. That he would not take the hit assumption. over the over the weekend, um, and 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 um, you know, uh, not announce that this is all happening at the same time, which would you know, death by a thousand cuts to his policy. So we know we know, but we don't know if that's actually true. But we know, um, Carter, can we help them? What would you suggest? You you, are, you have not heard the bang. Unless I'm wrong, you guys have caught. I have not heard the banging of the drum. Uh, coming from Ontario just yet for their their carve out. I've heard Alberta, right? Uh, I've heard Danielle Smith clearly. I've heard the Alberta NDP, if I'm not mistaken, largely align with the UCP on this one uh, as a, as a collective front. Um, we're going to hear the other provinces, and to Carter's point, we're going to hear BC take a BC particular stance that's going to be regionally specific to them. Uh, yeah. Maybe even criticizing the government for allowing even the first carve out, like so they might get it from the other end on it. Yeah, how how are you thinking about this on a Sunday night heading into next week, Carter? If if you're the the PMO right now, you you to, if you're being charitable, as Corey used that word, you maybe didn't expect this reaction. You should have seen it, but you didn't see it. How are you starting to process this today? And what are the, some of the moves that you want in place in order to prevent any further bleeding or further erosion on on this? Zane, there comes a time when government, uh, a person who is in charge of a government needs to just recognize that the way that they're leading the government is no longer working. And this should be that moment for this, for this prime minister. Um, Brian Mulroney stuck to his guns on the um, GST. GST, and he did so at great personal cost. Um, and arguably the, the, the cost of the conservative party, um, does Justin Trudeau want to ride the liberal party into the exact same fate? I think that if, you know, we do you remember when we were talking about how the, 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 the polls needed to improve, um, for the prime minister, you know, after the cabinet shuffle for the prime minister to stay on, mm-hmm. um, they didn't, and he fucked it up again. So you're asking me to come up with a strategy to save a guy who I can't think of a strategy to save, right? And, and this isn't a cop-out. I know that you, you don't want me to be, you, know, like I, a, you don't want me to cop-out. Zane, I don't, I don't want, know about you, but I, I kind of feel no, like I'm, this I'm is letting, a, it's not a cop-out. I'm not afraid what it is, Carter. is a recognition of the situation that the liberals are in. The liberals right now are in a, you know, like we, but when the liberals were really in the tank in, in 2015, we came up with a, a liberal strategy episode that, that broke down how the liberals would recover from the situation that they were facing uh, regionally and, you know, in, in, a, in kind of an ideological fashion. I don't have that answer. I just don't have it because this particular move has undercut them. You know, like if we're looking at the actual... Okay, 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 okay. I get it, I get it, I get it. I just, now I'm going to stop No, you. I'm not, I'm not... I, I just think I, that no, this I, is I it. This is the ball game, man. He's I done. Here, I'm going to paraphrase what you're saying. He's done. This symbolizes he's done. This is a hallmark of when a politician is done. Is that fair? It's more than just a hallmark. It, it's, it's desperation. It's trying to save one's own skin 
over the over the okay um, so, the, the the issue of the country. I want to give I want to give Corey a fair shake at this, and if his I answer is lackluster, I wouldn't give him a fair shake. If his shake. answer is lackluster, I actually think there's there's something we can dive a little bit deeper on at the forty three minute mark. Why not? This, of course, it's um, going to be lackluster. That's Corey, unfair what do you think? pressure for Corey. Sunday night, you didn't you, <laughs> Thursday to Sunday. You need a strategy for Monday. Yeah. It doesn't have to be extensive, but give me a few pillars of what it looks like. It doesn't need to be. It's so it's it's actually fairly straightforward here. Uh, as a principle, I think you've got to clean up some of the messes that you've built around this, and you've got to find a way, um, you know, to not allow this thing to be, you know, you find a way to declare victory even in your defeat here. By the way, Doug Ford did comment on this and said basically okay. like, "Hey, Ontarians don't use heating oil." It was effectively the short version. Okay, it's not okay. his exact words. He said, "We use natural gas, and we're still going to have to pay the carbon tax." The solution is actually dead simple. Now. It is eating a lot of crow if you're the liberals, but I think there's a way you can actually run this. First is you exempt all heating, right? Right now. You exempt it and you say you're working with BC and Quebec and whoever you need to who's part of the federal plan to make an equivalency within their systems because affordability matters and you are acknowledging that these are exceptional times. Now, the next thing you need to do is create a massive incentive to resolve this problem over the three-year term. You need to find the money for heat pumps, for electric furnaces in those areas of the province or of the country that use cleaner electricity. You need to find the ability to essentially turn over the page on this so when this thing kicks back in the future, there are no excuses. I mean massive incentives. I mean largely basically covering the fucking cost of this and make a big show of oh, this is Canada. Well, yeah, or, well, you know, all kinds or of equivalents, okay, right? Okay, okay. You know, okay. but like the idea is you, you, super high efficiency natural gas, I think, should be on the table. All of those things, because there's massive differences even in the efficiency of like a 20-year-old. Well, nobody has a 20-year-old furnace in this country, but a 10-year-old furnace and a brand new furnace. Massive differences in the efficiency there. So you go all in on this, on this massive consumer upgrade that's also going to create jobs for all of the installers and it's going to generate a lot of activity. It's going to cost you <laughs> tens of billions of dollars, but you do it. So hold on. And that I, becomes so President all Biden, of a sudden, you're pivoting to a brand new green strategy. You're on fucking the fly. right, I am. I'm on the fly, and you're saying this is I'm simple. I'm exempting all heating from the carbon tax, and I'm giving the biggest fucking incentive you have seen in the history of green incentives in this country for heating. And it's all going to go down in the next, let's say, five years. So I'm not putting a gun to my head. And you're doing this this week, and I'm doing it this week. Oh, Here's the thing, and then I'm pretending it was always the plan, Zane. Fuck. Here's the thing. I like it. I don't know. Thanks for giving me an answer unlike someone else. Carter, I'm going to give you an opportunity. <laughs> is a fucking Cor- Cor- unbelievable. Corey's, Corey's cleaned up the, poli- uh, the policy for me. That, it, Can you he's help not, me cl- though. He's, he's, he's made I, up I, an I, answer. He's made up an answer. It's think- absolutely tactically impossible to oh. do. Hey, let's chat this out, man. It's I mean, not I mean, possible. we were able to do the CERB in, in so you, I mean, You're, I, I, you're creating a policy structure that is Are insane. You, can I actually ask you then, Corey, by extension to what you said you are kind of killing but yeah. you're moving away yeah, from the, the carbon, the carbon tax it, you, it's over the carbon tax you, is you dead don't, you don't let that. you don't say it's dead there's still this thing called the carbon tax but you, obviously you, you the evolve. minute you start doing it things evolves. like this okay, it's evolved this is dramatically well carter oh riddle me this Corey. i'm gonna go back to what you said right this is this is not undercutting their principal policy this is undercutting their principal politics yeah. carter Corey's solution does it does it bridge over does it heal the the politics or and, and help me heal the politics here because that's what i'm interested Corey. that's a great policy answer 
help me heal the politics aligning side of it right so and what i'm hearing is ambitious right like no no man the politics are the incentive like the the idea that you're gonna get it you know you're gonna save money even relative to your current pre-carbon tax heating bill by using all of these super high efficiency heaters where you see a drop on your lap i think the problem with it is i'm just problem with it is is that there's a difference different pressures across the country uh, obviously, the electricity costs in Alberta are insane because of the way that we ran our electricity system. It has nothing to do with the carbon tax, but every you know the 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 that doesn't matter what things have to do with the inflationary process. Pro you know the the inflationary pressures dictate action across the board. You're not going to get away with just saying, "Well, we're going to make this about heating," because the, the, then people are going to say, "Well." you know, that's great, but I'm getting, I'm, I'm actually getting clobbered on electricity rate. I mean, at this point, you, you know, you just, you're following. I mean, I, I don't actually object to the, to the strategy. This is one of the things we talked about on, on, you're being sold on it on, no, this is what we talked about it. on. I can tell. We, we talked about this it's on love. We're actually watching. I'm going love. to fucking <laughs> kill you. Right I'm now. coming to your houses tonight <laughs> and I'm going it. to end you. Well, because, that, that sounds we, like a guy about to we fall very about, defensive of his crush. We talked about this on on uh, on Friday night. We talked yeah. about how this was, you know, the, the carbon tax was not the only solution. This could have been a solution. The Biden solution was available to Trudeau. And now he just, it's not as well, we simple as just saying, well, now we adopt the Biden solution. Sure it is. No, it is not. <laughs> okay. Hold on. Here, let me let Hold me on. just expand. Uh, I've let you. I let you guys go on Friday. Okay. Can I? Can I add some structure? Yeah, sure. To this? For sure. Oh my god. By, by, and I, the way I add structure, Carter, is I deviate completely, and I'll come back to this in a second because there's <laughs> yeah. something else on my mind. I was I was thinking about this over the weekend. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this bracket open. Trust me, I'm coming back to it. But I want to go to our province for a second. Corey, I actually want to go ask you specifically on this. Would the provincial government from a pure strategy move be smart to convert their entire tell the feds campaign to the carbon tax right now? Wow, that's interesting. And maybe, I hate giving free advice if it's good, but no, I, I was thinking about that. Was, yeah, like, would of, they just kill the whole electricity thing and say, fuck it, we've got an opening, let's go after it. One of the critiques that we have had of this is like, why are you... There is so little carbon intensity in Ontario's power generation. Like, what does your campaign yeah. mean there? You know, like you're worried about the carbon tax on electricity. You're worried about converting to net zero on electricity in Ontario. Like that. I mean, it's not even about the carbon tax. It's about like electricity, like reliability. And as we've said before, yeah, actually gas is a really important part of reliability there. But to the average Ontarian looking at like a pie chart of where does electricity in Ontario come from, they're going to say, what the fuck do I care? How does this have anything to do with me? Mm-hmm. This might have something to do with them. Tell the feds it's not fair. You were saying when this first came out, wow, what an evergreen URL. That's true. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. maybe the government of Alberta should contemplate whether there's a more resonant message that they can use that could have some of the same policy objectives. Okay. I just thought I had a smart idea. It was yeah, a good idea. The, world. Hey, Carter, the electricity thing is just way too narrow. I mean, let's a, be clear, though. Like, the policy objective of Alberta is just to put pain in the federal government. If you switch exa- it, you're switching it away from electricity. This, right? this is exactly it. This is exactly the, the, the same sort of MO I was thinking about, if, if they're thinking in, on those terms. I do want to hit on the province. I do want to hit on the, the Alberta. There's so many things on here. But let's let's clean up what we've put out in terms of the Fed strategy. Corey's yeah. ambitious 
Fed strategy here. I actually want to go through like how you were thinking about this, Corey, because I think that's even more interesting than like the materiality of what you've said. Carter, you you kind of hit a wall like in some ways, and I just find more interesting like in moments of like limited optionality. Like, what was your thought process here, Corey? Were you just yeah. like, I'm just going to power through this and just go big and kill what I like? Talk to me how you thought about this, and Carter, I actually want to dive deeper into your struggle as well. Oh, this is fun. So when you face a problem like this, you've got to start saying, okay, what is the actual problem in front of me? And you can't just say, the the policy, it's bad, right? You have to say, okay, what are the major lines of critique that I am actually feeling quite um, quite on the defensive on here? And so I, I see a few different problems. I'll just name a couple of them here for the purposes of brevity. One is there's a fairness problem. It, it really looks like cynical politics that you've created a policy that you're pretending is about a type of fuel, but is in reality about a a kind of rural geography, geographic mm-hmm. base mm-hmm. in Atlantic mm-hmm. Canada, right? So you've got a fairness problem. You got to clean that up. You can't pull back the policy. So all you can do is extend it to other people. That's That's basically the only way I see out of that particular box. The second challenge you have is you have a policy problem. You have people saying... This is going to undercut your environmental challenge. And I guess I'll say policy problem is like the people who want to see environmental action are probably the most jaded and disgruntled about this right now. So you've got to fight through and you've got to say, this is how I'm going to make even bigger impact on this particular thing. Now, you have, especially if you're addressing the fairness problem, you know, you're really kind of monkeying with that kind of market effect where it's supposed to be let the market determine the best way to reduce the price of carbon or reduce carbon output because you've got a price on it. And if it's a lot of carbon, it's going to cost more. And if it's less, it's going to cost less. And so the whole idea of a carbon tax is you dust your hands as a government and you let the market figure it out. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. It's why economists love it. It's why you think of it as more historically a right-wing idea. Uh, but you've clearly walked away from that. And to be fair, because of construction and because of another you know million choices we've made along the way, it's never been like a pure market mechanism, right? I think we can acknowledge that. So this is just saying, I'm not going to get the economist back on side, but I think I can get the environmental core back on side. So if you want to mm. deal with the fairness by extending it as far as possible, and if you want to deal with the kind of the environmental zeal and the policy or however you want to describe it, then you're going to have to go deeper, right? You're going to have to go into this farther. And so what can you do that could have like a dramatic effect? And then the third problem I want to put on the table is affordability, which is driving all of this. And so it's not even fair to put it third. The whole reason you're feeling the need to act in this particular fashion is because you're getting fucking crushed on affordability. Uh, Steven said it last uh, on Friday, and he's 100% right. What boggles my mind is that they actually did this through the carbon tax. Why didn't they just create a new affordability measure for people in at- rural Atlantic Canada? You know, like what what the fuck stopped them from doing that? You know, as an economic development thing in, you know, in Atlantic Canada. Yeah. But they didn't. And so now... How do you deal with the affordability thing writ large? And so that's where the big spend to reduce overall bills comes in. And so by tying, you know, this one policy or this series of policy steps could effectively deal with all three of those things. So when you ask me why or how I came to these conclusions, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's that. It's saying, okay, what are the actual problems in front of us? Why are people reacting the way they are? Why did we feel we needed to do this in the first place? And is there something we can do that can check all of these boxes? Now... Carter's not wrong that I've grossly simplified some of the downstream stuff, shall we say. Sure, 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 sure. But if you want to get out of a hole, the first thing you need to do is realize what kind of hole you're in. And so that's the first thing I do. Carter, you know, I'm going to 
blow some smoke, and then I'm going to ask you the hard question, which is you're one of the most creative, strategic minds I know in this stuff. And I know your default answer was just be like, fuck it, man. Like, this guy's done. Why was it that versus like, and I know you've got like the intellectual capacity to go down Corey's stream, but I'm just really curious, like from like a thought process perspective, like if you were in the room, Corey was like, okay, PM, we can do this and then this and we're going to go big here and then you know, he's, and you'd be like, fuck man, you're done. Why? Like, I'm just really curious about the thought why? process here. Yeah. Well, like, or what were the blocks? Like, what were the because uh, the optionality? Though- like, the you, I, I presume you saw doors close and you're like, fuck it, it's done. Like, I can see four moves ahead and it's done. Yeah, because we, when you're looking at the moves, right? When you're looking at the moves, the best way to do this is just to simply put cash in people's pockets, right? And it, it it's, it's not uh, a super easy thing to do at certain levels of government, but it is super easy to do at the federal level of government. So you can, you don't ever have to undermine the carbon tax. You can say the carbon tax, you know, we're just going to keep doing the carbon tax. Um, but we're also happen to be implementing some sort of a, um, a new idea, uh, or a, a, a quick subsidy on, uh, you know, those who are heating using heating oil and that subsidy is uh, going to time out in, in three years. Right. But for now, everybody who heats with heating oil uh, is going to get a subsidy. It has nothing to do with the carbon tax. It's actually just messaging. Right. And, and that's why I'm so so convinced that this government is done because they didn't even think of that. They didn't go to the easy way. They went the hard way. Well, we've gone and we've done ourselves a carbon tax. So now we have to undo the carbon tax in order to make this other thing work. Where does it say that in the rules? Right. The rules of politics don't say you've got to do the pol- You know, you've got to make sure that the the your primary um, policy initiative is undermined by your action subsequent to the policy initiative <laughs> being implemented. Right. There's <laughs> no fucking like, rule. In the handbook? Yeah. It's not okay. in the handbook. Right. So the handbook doesn't have you got to fuck yourself in order to, um, <laughs> you know, do good politics. In fact, the policy handbook generally says uh, you should try not to fuck yourself when you're when you're getting yourself out of a problem. And this government, for whatever reason, however, they chose to make the decision. They decided that the best course of action for them was to fuck themselves. Now, personally, I think that that's pretty stupid. Corey, by his definition, you know, by the way that he walked them out of it by walking them out of it straight into, you know, straight into essentially Biden's plans which, by the way, I think we discussed on Friday and ultimately was my idea. But whatever, Corey, I mean, whatever you got to do to give yourself up. The, but, you know, the, the buying your way team, to freedom, Stephen, buying your way to freedom is the power of the government. And there is a question to be had. You know, does this make sense when you're just, you know, should you buy your way to freedom if you're in government? The answer is probably not. But fuck me, man. This is what Trudeau needs to do. He only has this available to him. He should be buying his way to freedom. But instead of doing that, he fucked himself on the carbon tax. Like, like, uh, how hard would a you subsidy mean, you be mean should, for should Atlantic Canada? To freedom, just so I'm clear, you should bought himself to freedom. Yeah. Let the carbon tax on rather than buy yourself to freedom as a response to uh, undercutting your own carbon tax. Just right, so I'm clear. The, the, yes. the purchase to freedom isn't, isn't I have to fuck myself on the carbon tax. <laughs> the purchase to freedom is... Hey, everybody in Atlantic Canada that's using heating oil, we're putting in place a special three-year three, mu- three year subsidy uh, to protect you from uh, 
rising home oil costs or whatever the hell you come up with. And then everybody goes, well, that's really upsetting, but I don't use home oil. So I guess I understand that this is a particular and a, a local thing. And, you know, it's, it's oh, not ideal, but it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I'm not going to get too uptight about it because there's always been special subsidies for the good, for the good people of Atlantic Canada. I, mean, I like this, I Carter that, Hogan. Yeah. Like here's my time machine policy. I, I absolutely love what Steven said. I totally agree. I don't understand why they tied it to their own carbon tax. You could have actually gone out and said, good people of Canada, we know climate change causes more extreme weather and we're going to see more extreme cold as a result of this. And so we're introducing a new government policy when it dips below 10 degrees any day it does or whatever, like whatever your trigger is. Pick your number. Pick your number. You're going to get X number of dollars a day, direct subsidy off of your bill. We're working with all of the providers. There's only a few, you know, there's dozens, not thousands, right? And so you can kind of figure those things out as a government. And by the way, you've got all of the data to do that because you own Environment Canada, right? The weather centers. And and so, like, there were so many creative options available to this government that actually could have reinforced rather than reduce their key climate arguments here. And so that's what I think is the is the absolute shame of this. Like, I don't I don't understand why they well, I do know we talked about this, but they were seeing this way too narrowly. Like mm, yeah. when you're the government. <laughs> It's you just, you have all the pieces. You can, you have to see the whole board because sometimes one can fly in right from the left and resolve that check that yeah, you're I, worried about out there. I, I wonder, see the whole like, board. A quote do, from the West Wing. I, I mean, I go <laughs> excellent quote from the West Wing. Um, <sighs> hey, hey, like in some ways, right? Like you can almost sense if you piece it together that this was lobbied for. Like this was yes. like this I is mean, what we. Hey, and this was lobbied. This was whole yeah. in, internally, right? Yeah. Internally. And this was kind of wholesale, okay, like, rather than being like, but to Carter's point, or your point, Corey, okay, you want these outcomes, here's how we get to these outcomes without kind of like fucking ourselves, as you guys have said, right? And there, and there is like, when you talk about myopic behavior, there may have been some myopic or, or sort of limited lack of whole board thinking behavior in, in that regard, too, because this may not have been something invented versus something lobbied for, and then wholesale just copy paste, let's do it sort of thing. Yeah. And maybe some- missing... Yeah. Some dumbass said this, the, you know, this is how we're going to solve the well, problem. But, in but that is Canada. fundamentally different actually, than actually uprooting point. your own policy. You've no, been no, erecting you know something what? on your own and, and seeing all the angles. Right, Corey? Brilliant point. Because essentially what you had was somebody come to them with a solution saying, we're getting killed on affordability. I so we it. need yeah. you to pause this. Uh, a proper, you know, really savvy PMO. And I'm not saying that they didn't at least explore some of these things, but I think they should have ended up there as said, Okay, root concern, affordability, Atlantic Canada, what are we going to do here? Do we mind if we make it more affordable for other people too? Well, that's expensive. Are we willing to do that? Like that's the see the whole board stuff, right? Yeah. And instead of instead of that, they said, people feel there's an affordability challenge with this carbon tax, so we're going to get rid of it. And that was ultimately undercutting of their message. And I would love, you know what? I need... A few thousand words on this. I need the inside story of what the hell happened to get to this mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. I need like the Gilbeau temper tantrum. I need the Trudeau indifference. I need yeah. the Telford intervention. I need the whole fucking story because I'm so fascinated and understanding what happened will tell us a lot about the state of that particular government I'm, and the state of that particular PMO. I'm, mm. I'm less interested in that because the outcome is the same because <laughs> at the end, you know, when we look at the tea leaves, when we look at how this is all going to unfold, 
the liberals have just done, you know, like they were in deep, deep trouble to begin with. We've talked about how deep the, the, the hole is that they were with. And it's not like we're cheering for Pierre Polyev to become no, the next God, prime no. minister. No, no. But man, <laughs> oh. like you don't have to fucking give it to the guy, you know, like just I, I put get, some thought into this. L- let me get into that to the second. And let me actually just move this to our over under in our lightning round. I'm going to do an expanded version of this, Corey. I want I've got some really pointed questions that I'm putting in the over under lightning wow. round. And I want you guys to. To answer them, okay. well, relatively rapid fire. Carter, of course, sorry, didn't mean to uh, just drive by. We do this for you. Um, Thank you. Corey, I'm going to start with you. <laughs> hey, Corey, any redemption left in the messaging that the carbon tax is revenue neutral? Yeah or nay? I mean, not. It's a, it's a no. serious, it's a serious yeah. new messaging question. Actually, I have. Is there any stock to get back to this point? Because I think they've, they've when I say undercut, like on the politics, they've undercut yep. that for sure. Look, they're going to try. They're going to say this was a specific situation. But the problem is every time that revenue tr- neutral was always tough. It was being undercut by all sorts of analyses. All they the never they spent a lot of capital. They, they went so hard on like, look at the PBO analysis. And, you know, they never should have done that. But now you're just going to have the added benefit of somebody saying like the rejoinder is so simple and so fast. Like, oh, yeah, it's so revenue neutral. You had to shield people from it. If it's revenue neutral, if it's putting people ahead of the place, you don't actually need to shield them from it. And that's the other thing. And this is being totally buried, at least in the online discourse. They also doubled kind of the rural rebate, right? Yes. Yes. Why they felt they needed to do both of these things at the same time also tells us a lot. And step on them. Oh, my goodness. Step on them so that no one understood they could have actually tried to, they could have actually done the doubling of the rural rebate as a step two, you know, after everybody got mad about the, I don't even know. But yeah. No, now you're just going to have that rejoinder thrown in your face. It was always a weak line. It's just become that much weaker. Carter, any redemption left in in the messaging of revenue neutral? The reason I ask is I always love to examine what people have spent a lot of political capital on. And this seems to be one. This particular messaging art, the, 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 the time and the energy of trying to make this work from like a rebate perspective and what revenue neutral means. But where we stand right now, Carter, any redemption left in it? No, revenue neutral was always a bullshit kind of idea to begin with. It was something that was was uh, designed to say, and you're not going to take any more money out of your pocket. Well, that's great. Isn't that exciting? I'm not going to take more money out of my pocket. But you're paying it. it, it the GST was also supposed to be somewhat revenue neutral because it was yeah, illum- eliminating. Tax, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, and, and no one saw that because it didn't fucking matter. Because at the end of the day, my... I, I walked up to the cash register and it cost 7% more. 7% more is not revenue neutral. And that's the same way that we feel about this, this tax. I like the way that the NDP in Alberta did it. The NDP in Alberta did it. They basically said, yeah, we're, we're going to take the money and we're going to spend it on things that buy us happiness and buy people and will buy their love doing things that, that they will like. And that's what this government should have done right from the get go. They should have just bought the love of the people. Mm. Corey, I'm going to start with you on this next one. Advice and cautions is the theme. Two questions back to back. First question, advice and cautions for Pierre Polyev, the axe to tax campaign. It seems like, Carter, you you alluded to this. This is handing it over to Pierre Polyev. Corey, what advice would you have for him and what cautions would you have for him in this moment in time as he probably salivates at what is to come on this particular file? Well, I don't know. I have a lot of cautions at this particular moment. Obviously, you can overplay any hand, as Pierre Polyev 
often has shown us in the past, although recently he's been a little bit more controlled. But yeah, this is this is the time. Like all of those pre uh, pre planned events where you were going around saying axe the tax, you've just been giving your narrative here. And even Justin Trudeau realizes now what a terrible tax this has been. But you know what's worse? Good people of uh, Pickering, Ontario, good people of downtown Edmonton, wherever you are that you're talking and that you're on the offensive here. He's decided that he cares much more about buying votes in Atlantic Canada than treating Canadians the same coast to coast to coast and for shame on him. And it actually allows you to have like one of the challenges the Axe the Tax campaign has always had, in my view, especially with younger demographics, is it's the moral low ground. It's that we don't want to act on the environment because it's expensive and it's making things hard for me. That's not moral high ground. Now, you can wrap it in. I don't know how I'm going to make things work for my family. I'm just trying to get by. This is making me all of a sudden in a precarious situation. But it is, you know, grabbing that moral high ground isn't isn't innate for a lot of the audiences that Pierre Polyev wants and needs uh-huh. to connect to. But it's pretty easy to understand they're buying votes in Atlantic Canada and you're getting screwed. And getting that is moral high ground to say there's a problem with that. The prime minister acknowledges this carbon tax is a challenge. Like we all agree about that now, apparently. But where he and I strongly differ is I believe it's a challenge as much in Alberta as it is in Halifax. I believe it's as much of a challenge in Ottawa as it is in St. John's. And so that all of a sudden opens up this whole other righteous lane for you if you're Pierre Polyev going out there. Carter, your advice and your cautions for Pierre Polyev. Well, I think my advice is a caution. My advice is don't take this as a victory lap. Uh, remember, this isn't about you. This is about the people that you hope to serve. So don't take this as a victory lap. Instead, take this as a uh, the beginning of a victory for the people of Canada because, you know, they were always on the right side. They were always on the right side. Oh, that's good. Maybe that's one time I'm going to ask you in the why the fuck do we still do this, uh, not take victory laps. I don't think you guys have ever given the advice, take a victory lap. And victory laps. Oh, uh, no. I think I, I, think I but, may have given myself that. Yeah. yeah victory laps uh, are often taken uh, yeah. in races. Okay. Yeah. Cor- uh, Carter, I'm going to start with you on this one. Advice and cautions. MPs from other regions, but specifically those that are liberal MPs. Oh, Jesus. Advice and cautions to them, how they process this. And we've seen issues in the last couple of months that have like kind of fractured the liberal caucus. Gaza, Israel being an interesting one with the 22 MPs signing the ceasefire letter. This seems to produce that same opportunity, perhaps, if you want to call it that. So advice mm-hmm. and cautions to them as it relates to that advocacy. And I mean, we, and we could talk about the drive-by that Minister Hutchings gave to Alberta, Corey, as well, during this part, uh, or Alberta MPs. Boy. But what would you suggest to them in this moment of time where, where the, it's kind of being molded what the future looks like for this tax and for this signature policy going forward? Uh, my advice would be don't take any fucking talking points from this from this uh, PMO. I mean, everything they're touching is turning toxic. Um, and then the the caution that would go with that would be uh, don't think you can push out the a prime minister and not suffer a consequence. So be very very careful. But you know the the talking points that are coming out. If you had more MLAs or MPs and more ministers, then you'd be more heard. I mean, fuck. George Sahal's an MP. He's not in fucking cabinet. Like, what do we need to do here? There's just so much fucking stupidity from this government at this moment. Corey, advice and cautions. 
on on this particular thing. MPs overall, like yeah. and many of them, will be like salivate. I mean, use that term again, using this as an opportunity to say, yeah, the people of uh, whatever my riding, and whether it be in Ontario or BC or Alberta or, or, or Manitoba, also are hurting Prime Minister. Uh, but specifically those in government, I'm kind of curious to your advice and cautions. Well, I would imagine that there were KMs delivered. And I bet you at the top of the list, it, like the overall key message that they want everybody out there saying is liberal MPs deliver. And I'm sure they created a list of regional projects that they could point to. So if, for example, you're George Shaw, you're like, look at the millions invested in orphan well cleanup or look at the millions invested in this particular technology that's going to allow this particular outcome like carbon captures you know and sequestration right and everyone's going to have that list and it's all going to ladder up to this idea that liberal mps deliver where i think that the liberal party has gotten themselves in like the most serious of trouble and this is going to pay negative dividends for a very long time it's one of those lines that you just the minute i heard it or heard of it. I didn't see it live, but I heard of it. I'm like, that's an attack ad forever. Was this notion, uh, you know, that, you know, the regional development minister is saying like, well, you know, they should elect more liberal MPs. You know, the liberal MPs are what get it. Because you can see how they got there. Like liberal MPs deliver. We got a lot of liberal MPs. That's how we delivered so much. So the problem with the other regions. Almost like, almost like they're not part of the government, right? Like these yeah. liberal MPs, man, they got in there and they told this government, hey, man, oh, we need this. And then the government did it. Like, the fuck, man? You're part of government. You almost needed to have, like, a line on that key message document that's like, liberal MPs deliver. That's not that liberal MPs don't fight for everybody, but they really make sure that they deliver for their area. But they clearly screwed that up, and instead they left it feeling like it was a protection racket. Like, oh, it's a shame you don't have any (laughs) liberal MPs. Guess what happens to your province is going to be pretty grim, right? And and by the way, (laughs) like, if you're saying, hey, having government MPs matters... That's a great argument to be voting for Pierre Polyev, basically everywhere oh, yeah. based on You're the first polls. Absolutely. Yeah, you yeah, can yeah. see how this morphed in a twisted, awful yeah. way from the liberal MPs deliver key message. So you've got to make sure that people are a lot tighter and smarter about this. So I guess to get to your question in this extended lightning round... If you're George Shahal, if you're Randy Boissonneau, if you're any of the liberal MPs elsewhere who might be feeling hey, a little chafed you're about Pickering. all this. You're in, you're in outside of Ottawa. Yeah, it doesn't you're even matter. Wherever. Yeah, yeah. Right? You're not making the same mistake. Uh, Stephen made a comment about, like, don't forget there's a consequence to this, you know, if you lose a liberal prime minister. Yeah, that's true. And you're you're on this ship. And so don't, don't follow a fuck up with a fuck up. You know, you'd say, I'm really disappointed with my colleagues' lines about that. Of course, regardless of who you voted for, this government's here for you. As Liberal MPs, we take pride in making sure that we are on the ground listening and delivering on those issues. And here's the examples from my list from the key messages. That's what I'm doing because there's no... Let's put it this way. If everybody starts fracturing and running away, I mean, then I actually revise my advice to Stevens. Then it's over, right? Like if the prime minister has that little authority over his caucus, it's fucking over. Yeah, yeah. Which leads me to my final question, Corey. I asked you about redemption of revenue neutral. Answer me this. Redemption of the carbon tax. I mean, it's just, it's going to be a rebrand. We're going to call it a carbon tax and it's going to apply to like nothing. And we're going to have a bunch of incentive programs and we're effectively going to be in the American. You think that's where we're going? Yeah, I know that's your idea. Do you think actually that's where we're going? Or is this going to be a government that says, fuck it, this is legacy. This is principle. We're going to spend <laughs> more capital we don't have on this. I'm actually genuinely curious. Yeah. Like, is there any redemption in the carbon tax after what happened on Thursday? Well, nothing in life is as good or as bad as you think it is. And I doubt that like the... absolute final chapter on the carbon tax has been written. I'm sure that it will apply in many different ways. 
But I could easily see, especially a government looking at an election in 2025, them making additional tweaks, shall we say, to it now that they've opened that. And the question, it's its kind of like uh, George Washington's axe, right? You replace the handle, you replace the blade. Is it still George Washington's axe? You're just doing it bit by bit. I'm not sure it's going to look anything like it does today, just based on the action, or like I guess I mean a week ago, based on the actions of this government. But that doesn't mean there won't be something that's still called a carbon tax that exists in Canada. Is it worth redeeming politically, Carter? Is it worth redeeming? Um, yeah, yeah. That's a slightly different question. I'll give Corey a shot at that one too. If you the so so if we go back to what Corey was saying, the 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 point of the exercise was to actually reduce carbon emissions. <laughs> okay, well, we forgot um, about that. You know, I think forgot about that so long time if, ago. If if the if that's the point of the exercise, I mean, it may have been moving too slow in any case. Um, and there's an argument to be made that incentives might be a faster and stronger way to do it. So maybe maybe it's time to to do away with the carbon tax and instead bring in a highly subsidized um, you know push to. Uh, reduce the amount of uh, CO2. I, you know, I, I, Albertans will lose their mind, but um, if we didn't like the carbon tax, just wait until we start getting all the regulation. We're going to have a great time. <laughs> We're going to leave it there. That's a wrap on episode 1264 of The Strategist. My name is Zane Belge. With me as always, Stephen Carter, Corey Hogan, and we will see you next time.